The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, Disability Law Show, we are ready to go. We hope you are as well. And uh, help at disabilityrights.ca is the email address we use, and one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Savannah is here and just raring to go. We got a bunch of stuff to get through. The emails already piling up. Savannah, you got a couple week that was some some new stuff happening as well. You want to alert everybody to uh, what do you got? Hey Johnny, how's it going? Good pal. Uh, Ready to go. Yeah, it's been again a very very busy week. You know, a few weeks ago we launched a uh, class action, a national class action against TD Insurance. Yep. In relation to travel insurance claims, uh, people who, of course, because of COVID had to cancel their trips and then thought that they were insured by TD through their infinite uh, credit card and uh, submitted claims. And the insurance company came back saying, we're not going to pay you a dime because you were offered a credit and a voucher or a voucher. And of course, when I looked at the policy, the TD policy, it said nothing about people not being entitled to reimbursement if they're offered credits or vouchers. And so... On the basis of that, we teamed up with another firm that has expertise in class actions. We have expertise in insurance. Their class action lawyers also have insurance expertise, and together we've launched this class action. Well, guess what? Since then, I've been contacted by hundreds of people across the country, not only with respect to that claim, but also with respect to something else that got some media attention and, in fact, some legal attention from some lawyers across the country, uh, which I'll get to in a second, but no one has done anything about it. And so... What that other claim is about, and we just started the national class action, another one against one of those insurers, is with respect to student uh, school trip cancellations. So, uh, John, for for many years, there's been a company in Canada called Explorica, and Explorica uh, is a company that basically books, they're a travel supplier, and and they they supply trips to students uh, in conjunction and coordination with schools and school boards across the country for students to go all over the world, uh, to go to Europe, South America, a whole bunch of places. And what happened because of COVID, the school boards canceled those trips. Now, Every student, as far as I understand, and we're talking about thousands of families across the country, thousands of students, every student that purchased one of those trips were advised to also get travel insurance. And there were two insurers that, that insured students for those school, for those school trips. Right. One is called Old Republic, and one is called Arch Insurance. Okay. Now, it seems like when uh, COVID hit and the school boards canceled these trips, all of these families uh, and students filed for reimbursement for their trip costs with those insurance companies. Well, guess what? We are now, what, uh, in October? Uh, still, these families have not been fully refunded those trips by these insurance companies. And what's been happening is absolutely crazy. The insurance companies, Arch Insurance and Old Republic, are blaming Explorica, the travel supplier, for not providing them with all the information they need to be able to manage the claims, adjudicate the claims, and decide what to reimburse the families. Explorica, the the company, the travel supplier, is pointing the finger at these insurance companies and saying, no, we've given them everything several times. Now it's on them to pay you guys. And so you have these families across the country that have basically been stuck in the middle. And there have been reports now I can see from CBC and, and various other news outlets, and no one's done anything about it. And this brings me to my point about the fact that there are lawyers, apparently, that have been looking at this for months, 
and threatening class actions and threatening legal maneuvering and this and that. And, you know, this is one of those things where when we do this show, John, I tell people, when you choose a lawyer, you better choose wisely. You don't want somebody who's all talk. You want a lawyer or a law firm that's going to take action. And so when I've read about all these lawyers talking about how they're going to do this and that with these insurance companies and nothing's been done, my blood boils because all these families are left without money. And so as soon as we got involved and as soon as I've spoken to you know, the, the several individuals, uh, we've selected the lead plaintiff. And in fact, he was reported on the media now. His name is, is uh, Carter Adams. He's, he's out of Guelph, uh, uh, sorry, Kitchener. And uh, he, he and his father, Scott Adams, uh, are um, on the claim. And the claim is against Arch Insurance, which is one of the insurers here. And it's a national class action. And since we've launched this, again, tons and tons of people contacting me seeking help. So, you know, it's a very interesting story for anybody who's interested in this. Uh, you can Google this or you can go to our website, get more information. Uh, I can answer questions. You know, we try to contact everyone uh, within 24 hours just because we have a lot of people contacting us. But the messaging here is this. If an insurance company is not paying you what you are owed, you need to take action. Do not walk away. Do not assume that somehow you can persuade the insurance company to pay you what you're owed. These are large billion-dollar bureaucratic entities whose, whose sole purpose for existence is making a profit for their shareholders, for their board of directors, for whoever it is, not for you. And you know, John, I often say that insurance is the only product that I am aware of where as soon as you purchase that product, as soon as you give money to the insurance company, that you've now purchased this, this peace of mind product that they've sold you, as soon as that transaction is done, you automatically have an enemy on the other side who's seeking not to pay you and not to give you what you've bargained for. And I say this in the context of disability insurance, in the context of home insurance, car insurance, etc. So, you know, if you are owed money by the insurance company, do not engage their appeal process. Do not engage in a back and forth trying to persuade them. You're not going to get anywhere. You need to seek legal representation because the legal process is the only process that can really put the screws to the insurance company and force them to comply with their obligations under the policy of insurance. So is this a very similar thing to the TD uh, travel insurance where the insurance say, no, don't come to us, go to the supplier? No, no, we have nothing to do with this. Yeah, it's, not in your yeah, policy. it's finger oh, pointing. It's oh, finger pointing. It's exactly what it is. And I'm telling you, John, I've spoken to people who have said, that's it, I'm giving up. What's the point? And I've had people, you know, it breaks my heart also when we're dealing with some of these policies, especially with travel insurance now, where many individuals are, are you know, elderly or I'm having, uh, I'm getting calls and emails by people who, it's their parents. It's, it's on their behalf yep. that they're calling because their parents will not be able to, to take that voucher next year, the year. Who knows what's going to happen with this pandemic? Who knows if these airlines are going to be in business? Who knows? People are owed money under these policies. They have every right to demand that they get money back. And frankly, I think that the government is now doing its job in regulating these insurers and forcing them to comply with their obligations. Again, you want to reach out. Uh, Savan mentioned it, one 821 5900 toll free. Don't sit on it. Get on it if you're in this situation. For more information, at least, and disabilityrights.ca. What else you got going on, pal? So let's uh, pivot now to uh, one of my favorite topics, again, insurance, but in the context of long-term disability, because this is what a lot of our lawyers deal with on a daily basis. And this is interesting because this is an individual that contacted us. Um, he, he, um, he's already settled this claim, uh, and he settled this claim four years ago. But, you know, this is a cautionary tale. 
Okay, we need to learn from mistakes. So this individual was 42 years old four years ago. Okay, so so he, he's 46 years old now. Uh, he got CPP disability because of a degenerative neurological condition. Okay, so he's in a in a bad state, young guy, um, and, and he also got approved for long-term disability, and he got that for a few years. At some point, the insurance company cut him off. Uh, and they cut him off, obviously, uh, incorrectly. They should not have cut him off uh, because, you know, this is four years later now, and this gentleman is still uh, bad. He still cannot work, uh, still disabled. But here's the thing. He went to another law firm. And I want to make this clear. We're not the only lawyers out there in Ontario and in BC uh, that do this kind of work. There are many lawyers out there, just like there are many doctors, many dentists. There are many lawyers, but you got to do your due diligence. So let's look at the specifics. This gentleman, after uh, reducing his LTD amount, monthly amount by CPP disability, he was taking home from LTD uh, $2,800 a month. Okay, That's what he was getting from LTD after they got a credit for whatever he was getting from CPP disability. That means that he was receiving about $33,600 a year. Sorry. Okay. Now, if you were to uh, extrapolate that until age 65, assuming he cannot go back to work until 65, that is close to $800,000 that he would have been entitled to had they not cut him off and he would have received LTD until age 65. So almost wow. $800,000. So he went to another law firm, and I know that law firm really well. It's also a law firm that says that they deal with LTD, and they do, and they, in fact, they have some good lawyers. Uh, I know some of them. But here's the thing. He settled that claim on the advice of his lawyer for $100,000. And that Ooh. that was calculated, from my understanding, on the basis of one year's worth of retroactive amount that was owed to him, plus another three years' worth of LTD benefits. So let's get this now. This gentleman is now 46 years old, young. He's supposed to be getting or would have continued receiving almost $3,000 a month. Had he not been cut off by the LTD insurer, he would have received, by age 65, close to $800,000. He settled for one-eighth of that amount. And so his question to me, after listening to the show and watching the TV show and all that, can I do something about this? Can I undo the settlement? Can I go back to the insurer? It's a resounding no. You had a lawyer. Your lawyer should have done his job. Your lawyer, I don't think, did the, you know, the job correctly. I think this lawyer either didn't know what he was doing or entered into what we call in legal speak improvident settlement. Now, does this person have a claim now potentially for negligence against the lawyer? Maybe. I don't sue lawyers. That's not what I do. But I think there might be a claim here against that lawyer. But here's the thing. Had this gentleman gone to the right firm, to the right lawyer at the outset, he would not have been in the situation. And so when people contact me, John, and they ask me, you know, is this, is this you know, the, the, the proper amount, the proper settlement, I, it's a very nuanced approach. We really have to look at the facts of the case to make sure we fully understand, uh, you know, what, what the consequences are if we settle now for whatever amount that we settle now. 
Let's take a short break, brother, and we'll uh, give you some time to grab a phone if you have questions about this or what we first talked about with the class action suit with the school trips. Uh, bring it on. It doesn't matter. It's, uh, it's all here to be answered. Some emails as well. Help at disabilityrights.ca is the way you do that. We'll continue. This is Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. If you have a question for uh, Savannah, bring it on. If it's uh, for yourself or a friend or a family member who's a little bashful to call in, no problem. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Lauren, thanks for uh, sending the email along. Says, guys, my wife is a high school teacher. And she's been struggling with depression and anxiety for many years. She was off on LTD for just over a year this past March. When the schools were shut down because of COVID, her situation became worse, especially because her insurance adjuster keeps questioning whether she can work or not and insinuates that she's trying to stay on disability because she doesn't teach in this environment. He told her that unless she tries to return to work by November, her benefits will end at the end of November. She's even more stressed than she was before. What can we do about this? Lauren, I, I completely uh, understand the, the, the pressure here that you and your wife are under. First of all, thank you for reaching out to us on her behalf. John, this is something that happens quite often where we get uh, called or, or emailed from, from concerned family members and friends. Uh, now, Lauren, he, here's the, the, the you know, basic answer. If your wife is not ready to go back to work, and her doctors confirm that she's now ready to go back to work, she should not, I repeat, should not go back to work or try to go back to work. She should only try to go back to work if she's been cleared by her doctors. I can't stress this enough. This is really important. You know, I don't care what these adjusters are saying. I don't care what these insurance companies are saying. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, put the legalities aside. You know, you don't want a situation here where your wife shuts down, where her condition becomes worse, she regresses, and that's what often happens, John, in these kinds of situations, which infuriates me because these adjusters only care about one thing. They care about saving money for their overlords, okay, their managers, their supervisors, the insurance company. It's all about numbers, and this is absolutely inappropriate. So, Lauren, here's what I think you need to do. I think that uh, your wife needs to, first of all, communicate with the adjuster in writing, and explain in writing why she's not ready to go back in detail. I think that she needs to get whatever whatever reports she can get from her doctors, her psychologist, psychiatrist, family doctor, whoever it is. Get them to provide the opinion, presumably that's their opinion, that she's not ready yet to go back. And that it's against medical advice for her to go back at this point in time, especially during COVID. And she should attach that to the adjuster. Now, the reason why I'm saying this should be done in writing is because now the onus is on the insurance company to do the right thing. And if they don't, and if the adjuster comes back and says, no, I've told you before, if you don't go back by November, we're going to cut you off at the end of the month. If he says that or she says that, immediately let me know. Mm -hmm. Let me intervene. I will then communicate to the insurance company that if they dare cut her off, not only are they going to be served with a legal claim, but we're going to include in that legal claim a claim for punitive damages against the insurance company. And I'll tell you, John, we've had situations where, you know, through the legal process, we've had opportunities to question, you know, these adjusters, and we tear them apart. In situations like this, we tear them apart under oath 
because at the end of the day, there is absolutely no excuse for what they're doing to force an individual who's not ready to go back to work and threaten and, and you know, hold over their head this, this, this threat that they're going to they're gonna cut off, you know, the, their life support, really, their financial life support. So it's a good thing that Lauren contacted me now. Many people don't contact us. They think that you know the train tracks will not end when the adjuster says that they end, and they find out at some point that in fact the benefits stop, and and then they come to us and they're panicked. At least here, Lauren did this ahead of time. So this is really important. You can definitely, definitely do something about this. Do what I said, and if you have any more questions, Lauren, get in touch with me after the show. Be more than happy to speak with you. It doesn't cost anything, incidentally, for everybody out there to speak with us. It costs nothing. We literally talk to, and I answer emails from across the country on, on a regular basis. Uh, I'll say this, John. As much as my, my wife hates this, uh, my phone is pretty much glued to me. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody uh, you know, emails me on a Sunday morning at 6 a.m., they'll get a response back most likely at 6.05. You know, so I, I, you know, I understand people are under tremendous stress. So don't hesitate to contact me, and I will answer your questions. Now, in this case, uh, Lauren's uh, wife is a teacher. Can only assume that she's unionized now. Unlike employment, in uh, almost all cases, with LTD, with your uh, your branch of the firm, you guys can help unionize employees. Correct. Yeah, yeah, for the most part we can, whether it's in Ontario or BC. What happens is that you're absolutely right. In the employment context, our employment lawyers cannot help a unionized employee deal with their employer. It's just the way the legal system is structured. Only the union can represent the individual. With LTD, it's different. Remember, the relationship in an LTD context, in a disability context, is between the individual, the claimant, and the insurance company. There is a contract in place. That contract is the insurance policy. But in a unionized setting, we still have to look at the collective agreement to figure out if it was contemplated by the collective agreement that an external lawyer like myself or uh, somebody else in my firm can assist. And if if it's contemplated that, you know, only the union can deal with the LTD matter, well, then only the union can deal with it. But in most instances, we can help unionized employees. And I can tell you, we've had some high-profile cases. My partner, James Fireman, you know, if you, again, Google his name, Google our firm's name, we've been in the news quite a lot because we take on, in many instances, high-profile cases. And, you know, we've helped many, many teachers. And, uh, yeah, with teachers, I have not seen a case yet where we have not been able to help a teacher that is struggling and has an issue, a denial, uh, or any problem, really, with their LTD insurance company. It is help at disabilityrights.ca, and we mentioned the number, Lauren, for you to call after the show, 1-855-821-5900. want to get into this, and the topic is, uh, what does your doctor need to write in a letter to help you get approved for long-term disability? This seems simple enough, but a lot of doctors uh, either don't know or have been doing it wrong for some time, right? Yeah, and, and I'm not blaming doctors. I'm not blaming claimants, yep. and frankly, <laughs> I'll do a rare thing here. I'll say this, insurance companies have a right. They have a right to understand what your ongoing medical condition is. You may think that you've already given them everything they need, but you know, you do have obligations under the insurance policy to provide them with what they need to assess the claim. Sometimes the requests are unreasonable, but when they're asking you for a letter from your doctor to explain what's your prognosis or what is, uh, you know, your situation now, are you following treatments, they're entitled to that information. And if you refuse to give it, you are potentially in breach of your policy obligations. And the insurance company may, may have an argument as to why they'll cut you off or deny your claim. So what I tell people is this. 
you know, this is not a situation like an employer where you, you can just bring uh, a, a scribbled note from the family doctor saying this person is sick today and they need time off. No. When you are dealing with an LTD insurer or, or an STD insurer, short-term or long-term disability, you should ask your, your, your doctor to provide a letter that uh, stipulates the following, that answers the following questions. These are the basic questions. Okay, how long the person has been the claimant's doctor? Okay, I think that's important, right? Because if you're going to a walking clinic and the person, the doctor there doesn't know you, has only seen you for the first time, it carries less weight than if you have a doctor that's been treating you for the last 10 years, whether it's a family doctor or a psychiatrist or whatever. Second thing is, uh, to the extent that there is a diagnosis, and by the way, sometimes there's no diagnosis. Sometimes they do a lot of ex uh, um, uh, tests, but they can't figure out what the issue is or what the label is for your condition. But if there is a diagnosis, if there is a label, okay, uh, depressive disorder or what, whatever, chronic pain, fibromyalgia, get the doctor to put that in, okay? Here's the diagnosis. Uh, the doctor, I think, should also talk about what kind of treatments have been recommended and confirm that the claimant has actually been following the treatments. This is important. It's important because many insurance companies use the excuse that an individual has not been following the doctor's recommendations to cut the person off LTD or to deny their claim. Now, in many instances, the insurance company says, you have not been following prescribed treatments when, in fact, that's not the case. That's a different issue. But my point is, you want your doctor to deal with the issue of treatments and to say that you have been following the treatments that have been prescribed. Uh, and the last two things that I would want to see from a doctor who writes one of these kinds of reports, and by the way, these reports don't have to be 10 pages long. They can be a paragraph, two paragraphs, right. a page. The doctor should outline what are the functional limitations here. If a person has some kind of a physical problem, well, you know, what are the limitations that the person has because of this physical problem from a medical standpoint? You know, if there's psychological, psychiatric issues, what are the limitations there that the person has? And the last thing is prognosis. And I typically say, look, if the doctor can say, uh, if it, this is all, you know, depending if it's a doctor's opinion, if the doctor can say that the prognosis right now is uncertain or that for the foreseeable future, not forever, but for the foreseeable future, the person is unable to work because of X, Y, and Z, then the doctor should put that down. You know, by the same token, if the doctor says that or thinks that you should be you know, good to go back within a month, well, the doctor, sh I think, should put that there too, you know, out of fairness to the insurance company. We have to yeah. be, we have to be fair here and we have to be honest, mm -hmm. okay? Truth matters. But the prognosis is important. But the thing is this, sometimes doctors will say, you know, we will need to reevaluate in three months, in six months, in a year. That's okay too, as long as they explain the rationale of why this person at this point in time is unable to go back to work. And as long as your doctor hits those points, and by the way, if you want this list, you can just contact me and I'll email those to you. But as long as the doctor hits those points, or, or at least most of these points, that's a good letter. It's a good letter to give to the insurance company. It gives them something to work with. Okay, So that's really the, the crux of it. Of course, in some cases, we have to modify it and calibrate it depending on the, on the facts and, and the, the type of Ill, you know, illness or injury that we're dealing with. But generally speaking, uh, those are the kinds of things that you need to, to ensure that are in the letter. How long the doctor has been your doctor, diagnosis if there is one, uh, what kind of treatments you've been prescribed and whether you're following them, functional limitations as a result of your disability, and a prognosis. Talk a little bit, and we've talked about this in the show before. You know, your own occupation versus any occupation. How big a how mm -hmm. big a deal is that in this regard? Huge. It's a yeah. huge deal. 
So this is in the context of, uh, again, LTD policies. The vast majority of people who have long-term disability coverage, uh, they become aware very quickly that when they apply for LTD, the test they have to meet, the criteria to be eligible for LTD payments is to demonstrate through your medical professionals who are going to write reports on your behalf that you cannot do your own occupation or at least substantial portions or aspects of your own occupations, uh, your own occupation for the first two years. Beyond the two-year mark, in most policies, the test changes. It no longer becomes, sorry, it's no longer your own occupation. Now it's any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, or experience. That's important to note because, John, if you are, you know, a radio host, uh, you know, and you're disabled and you can't do your job as a radio host for the first two years, beyond the two-year mark, the question is, can you do anything else, any other yeah. occupation for which you're suited for? So we're not talking about you working as a barista at Starbucks. Okay, that's not what you have education for or you're suited for. It's can you teach, for example, to right. be a radio host in some local college, as an example. But here's what happens. Many, many insurance companies cut people off around that two-year mark, and people are under the false impression that their benefits are only supposed to last for two years, and that's absolutely wrong. If you are unable to work in any other occupation for which you're suited for, Beyond the two-year mark, you should continue to get paid by the LTD insurer. But many insurance companies, like I say, uh, they, they come back, they say, we've had some expert look at your file, we've had an assessor, we've had a consultant, we don't believe that you, know, you, 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 you uh, are disabled from doing some other occupation, so therefore we're going to cut off your benefits. If that happens, you should be contacting us. We can help you. This is the kind of stuff we do each and every day. We push back and we force the insurer to either continue paying you beyond the two-year mark or come to the table and engage in meaningful discussions of resolution of your, of, of your claim in its entirety. Short break and right back into another email. Jerry, just got it. Uh, we'll get to you in a moment. Email help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll get right back to it after a, a short break. Disability Law Show, this is Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back to the show. Yep, Disability Law Show. You want to reach out, by the way, when we're uh, not doing the show, more of a private conversation, uh, a longer conversation with Savan or a member of his very capable team. No problem. Toll free, always 1 855 821 5900. Help at disabilityrights.ca. And there's also another resource for you called mydisabilityquestions.com. That is exactly like it sounds. You can leave your questions on the website, they will get answered swiftly. And there's also a, a search uh, capability there. You can see if your question has been asked in some way, shape, or form prior to and uh, answered in depth. So you have that option as well. Mydisabilityquestions.com. Okay, Jerry, as promised, moving on to your uh, your email says uh, Savannah I'm 55 I've worked in the auto tech industry all my life I had an accident a few years ago and since then my back has been in very bad shape I had two surgeries already I have difficulty sitting or standing for more than 10 maybe 15 minutes at a time I was on long-term disability but uh, just recently I was cut off because my insurer said that I am not here we go totally disabled and can do other work I don't know what other work they're talking about because my pre-disability salary was $140,000 a year. I can't get a job with my current restrictions earning anything close to that. What are my options? 
Well, Jerry, your option is to start a legal claim against the insurance company. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is something, John, we see all the time. How many times have we spoken about this term, which I absolutely hate and despise, totally disabled? This is an invented term by the insurance industry, I think, okay, to confuse claimants, to confuse doctors, and to confuse everyone that looks at it, uh, except for the insurance people that actually do this on a daily basis. And I'll explain why. When somebody tells you that, you know, I've totally eaten that cake, okay, that means I've eaten that cake completely. That car is totally wrecked. It means that car is completely destroyed. So when somebody says totally disabled, you're thinking that person is completely messed up, meaning that person cannot get out of bed. That person has, I don't know, is in a coma. No, that's not what that means. It's what that means to, I think, a regular person, you and I, John, but not in the context of long-term disability. And this is important. It's important not only for claimants out there to understand this, but for their treating doctors or treating professionals. Because I have seen situations, I have been contacted by people who say, my doctor will not say that I am totally disabled. Mm -hmm. Well, of course not, because most people are not totally disabled, but yet they still qualify under the totally disabled uh, uh, provisions of the LTD policy. Because under the LTD provisions of virtually every policy I have seen thus far from any insurance company, for the first two years, totally disabled means that you cannot do uh, the main aspects of your own occupation. So you could be able to go for a walk. You could be able to pick up your kids from school, but yet not be able to do uh, uh, the, the, the major aspects of uh, or, or substantial portions of your own occupation. And sure. beyond the two-year mark, of course, totally disabled means, uh, generally speaking, in many policies, you cannot do any occupation for which you're suited for, which we talked about in the last segment. Yep. Now, Jerry, you're talking about uh, a, a job that pays you $140,000 a year. You haven't mentioned this, but I think that you know when the insurance company is saying that you can do some other kind of work, presumably they're cutting you off around the two-year mark when there is that change of definition date, when totally disabled now is going to no longer mean can you do your own occupation, but rather can you do any occupation for which you're suited for. And what happens, John, in many situations is that the insurance company uh, you know, cranks out uh, a report from a consultant, quote-unquote, that says, mm-hmm. look, this person, Jerry, John, whoever, can do these 10 other jobs right. that could pay him X amount of dollars. Well, here's the thing. You know, we're looking at commensurate experience, sorry, commensurate salary. And if, if Jerry was making $140,000 a year, the only way the insurance company is going to be able to say that he's able to do some other job for which he's suited for is if he can make about 60-65% of that $140,000, okay? Very important to understand. You know, they can't tell Jerry to go again and work as a barista or as a Walmart greeter. Nothing wrong with those jobs, but but the only way the insurance company can argue that he's not disabled beyond that two-year mark is if he, they can show that he can do a job realistically, okay? Not hypothetically, realistically, mm-hmm. they will pay him about 60-65% you know, commensurate salary, uh, uh, pre-disability salary, uh, after the two-year mark. And, and you know, the reality is, Jerry's saying to us here, that with his current restrictions, there's no way he can earn anything close to that amount. Now, I, I would want to know from Jerry exactly what he thinks he can do, what are his functional limitations. Obviously, his back is in very bad shape. He's got surgeries behind him and all that. But the reality is this. If he cannot earn at least 60%, 65%, of his pre-disability salary, of this $140,000 annual salary, 
in some other job, then the LTD insurer should continue to pay him. And the fact that they're, you know, they don't want to do that and they're going to cut him off means that he has now a legal option. Okay, and, and John, I want to segue here because some people, what they do is they'll go back and forth with their, you know, insurance company, and they'll say, "No, I can't do that." The insurance company will say, "Yes, you can. We're going to cut you off if you don't try." And and you know what happens is that it creates additional stress on the individual. You know, people often tell me that one of the big things about having us represent them in LTD uh, situations is that we take over all the communications with the insurance company because that's extremely stressful yeah. dealing with the adjuster. You know, every time you see the the phone number from the insurance company, you get a letter or an email, your heart rate just jumps through the roof. And, and, and you know, again, people regress because of that. And it should not happen. So that's what we do. We help people with these kinds of cases. We can put your mind at ease. Just give us a call. Email us. It'll cost you nothing to get the information you need. Or at least go to our website, John. You can give it out. Get the information you need because you do have rights. And don't get bullied by the insurance company. Don't get bullied by the adjuster. Okay? There is a contract in place, and the insurance companies and these adjusters are not above the law. Yeah, and a guy like Jerry, who's been working so long in this gig, you know, you got to assume he probably doesn't have a ton of other training. And, you know, 60, 65% of 140 is like $90,000. That's still a huge salary. I mean, that's not easy to replace it. It's any, a huge salary. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm assuming I'm assuming he's not a mechanic. I mean, I, I don't know what he does, but, you know, clearly he's doing something that has made him able to earn this much money. You know, the higher the earner you are, I think the more difficult, generally speaking, from my experience, is for the insurance company to argue that you can do some other job that will pay you 60 65% of your predisability salary, right? I mean, if you worked before in a job that pays you $30,000 a year, getting 60 65% of that could potentially be easier than something like Jerry here, right? I mean, that's just common sense. Insurance companies, however, will look under every you know possible uh, uh, you know for any possible reason to cut you off because remember they're paying him LTD on the basis of a salary that is is in the six figures so they're very very interested in figuring out how they can cut him off and how to frustrate him from being able to pursue his benefits and he's 55 years old right I mean if his disability continues to a 65 just imagine how much money the insurance company is gonna have to shell out so they're probably working extra hard to figure out a way to cut him off so he's doing the right thing in reaching out to us. And Jerry, we can you know, uh, get in touch after the show and we can talk more specifically about your case and how you should answer the adjuster. Do exactly that, Jerry. Uh, reach out toll-free as always, uh, one, uh, 1-855-821-5900. Another email coming up. Sean, stand by. Just got it. Here it is. We're ready to go. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Disability Law Show, Global News Radio. You are listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back indeed. Get to Sean's email as promised. Sean says, uh, guys, I just got a letter this week saying that my benefits will end in January. When I called my adjuster, he said that I'm only getting LTD for two years because I can do other types of work. But that is not true. I have PTSD, and I go to a therapist regularly and take medications. Most days I can't function. My wife left me last year, and I moved in with my folks. I'm afraid that in January I won't have any income, and I don't know what to do. Wow, Sean, I, I, I'm very sorry for what you're going through. And, and you know, this is not uncommon. The good, the good news here, if we can find any good news, is that January is still a few months away. 
And, you know, when an insurance company says that they're going to cut you off benefits and we determine that they do this erroneously, it means that you can actually start the legal process now as opposed to wait until, you know, the, the train tracks end, right? I mean, you don't have to wait for the payments to end. And, and you know, we can resolve uh, many, many claims within weeks or months of actually getting involved simply because once we write to the insurance company with our company letterhead, we have a certain reputation with insurance companies. They know our lawyers. There is a respect, okay, that, that we've been able to, 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 to build over the years simply because we have expertise, but we also have resources. When we take on a case, John, we're taking on that case. Uh, and, and we're putting the firm's resources uh, behind it. If I have to spend $100,000 on a case or a million dollars, I don't care. I'm going to match up whatever the insurance company is going to throw at us, and we're going to take this all the way if we need to. But here's the reality, Sean. Once we get involved, once we get the necessary letters from your therapist, from whoever's treating you, present that to the insurance company and give them a choice of whether they continue your benefits or they get served with a legal claim uh, immediately, you know, in many, many instances, they actually back down. In some instances, they don't, in which case I think that we should take action here. We should start that legal claim. We should uh, uh, argue uh, what's called anticipatory breach, which essentially says that we are taking the position that the insurance company has now breached its obligations under the policy of insurance, under the contract, even though the benefits are still ongoing until January. And that is because they've already told you that they will be ending in January, and we say that they should not. And, you know, it's just, John, it's just, it breaks your heart, right? Because, I mean, his wife left him. He's moved in with his parents. This is absolutely horrible, especially psychological types of claims, mental illness, things like that. People are very, very vulnerable. Sean, we are here for you. We will help you. Just get in touch with me personally after the show. We'll have a chat. I'll tell you exactly what needs to be done. We will deal with this, and we will push back against the insurance company. Sean, that number, you know the email, obviously, one 821 Going to move over to uh, to Joan. How are you? Oh, great. I'm just called to find out because I said I'm in a job. I'm working in fast food, right, yeah. for the past 20 years. And um, I've been diagnosed with lupus for the past six years, but I still work. But lately, my lower back, my knees, it's just 18, and the job, the they push you so much. They want time from in the morning to the, from the time you finish work, and um, and sometimes they say things to you that are rude. Like one girl would say, would say to me, "Grandma," you know, and and you can't go. The the, the company that I work with is very pushing aside. There's no ins- we don't have any union there, and I as I said, I talked to my doctor the last time. Um, because in the COVID time, I was May, June, I was very low. I was feeling so drunk and I sleep. And I said to her, I was, thought I was going to go off my mind. And I said to her, I would like to retire. I do. You can you give me a letter, do some tests. Hmm. And she didn't. She she just pushed me off. She said, Well, everybody has problems, you know. And she's my doctor for a very long time. And she don't know what I'm going to. It's it's very hard. Joan, this is this is really really tough. And and you know, I I, I feel for you. I I've uh, handled cases uh, with people who had lupus and and other types of illnesses of this nature. You know, my advice when the doctor does not uh, help you, or when you think the doctor is not helping you or acting in your best interest. Uh, 
Uh, it could be simply because there is a divergence of opinion as to what you think the doctor should do and what the doctor thinks they should do. Um, I don't know your specific situation in terms of why the doctor is not helping you, but maybe it's time to find a new doctor. And the other thing I will say here is that, you know, I think that if your condition disables you from working, then, you know, you should, you should apply for uh, disability, for long-term disability. If you don't have that, there are government type of programs, CPP disability. Depending on your qualifications, you may even apply for and get ODSP if you're in Ontario. So it really depends on your situation. More than happy to speak with you after the show again, John, but I'm very sorry for what you're going through. Last minute of the show before we uh, wrap up, pal. Give us uh, some quick details again on the class action, the latest one that's going down with you guys. The, le- the, the latest one we're doing is against uh, yeah. Arch Insurance. It's again a uh, a travel insurance claim. Uh, you know, I, I I look I look now for these kinds of claims. If I if I identify a case where there are many people in the same boat and the insurance company is just blanketly refusing to pay people for what they're owed. I will recommend that we start a class action. And I say this because, you know, when you have a claim for $3,000, $4,000, you are not going to hire a lawyer or even a paralegal to advance that claim. It's just not enough money to justify the expense. That's why a, a class action, especially a national class action, like the two that we've started recently, uh, are the proper vehicle for this. But don't wait. Don't wait. If you have a claim, if your insurance company has refused paying you under the policy and you think that you are right and the insurance company is wrong, do not walk away from your rights. That's my overall message here, John. People are a lot stronger than they think. Insurance companies cannot bully and do whatever they want. They simply can't. They do care about the bottom line, and one of the ways to force them to pay is to make them pay more out of their bottom line in defending these kinds of claims. That's how they come to the table and settle. To move on and carry on, one 855 8215 800 Again, 1-855-821-5900. DisabilityRights.ca is the uh, website. And help at ca to reach out through email. We'll catch you again next time on the Disability Law Show right here on Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.